congratulations. You found it. The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Starring the original book divas, Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination, one book at a time. They are three book girls. Okay, I work with people's names every day because, you know, I do paperwork. So I see a lot of names. And do you know that the name Win? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's spelled really weird. I called that. I seriously thought it was Nagayan. <laughs> and I called it too. Nagayan for five years in my before, job before somebody finally corrected you before. yeah before somebody's like you know that's pronounced win right i'm like really because i've called people that to their face and they're probably like american <laughs> and just let it go freaking white people <laughs> you know kind of like well what i mean if nobody tells you right. nobody corrects you you don't know it's like right. so, sort of like People who are avid readers, you don't know how to pronounce. You don't know how to pronounce the words. Just read it. Yeah, there yeah. was somewhere that was until like, somebody mocks you like me. <laughs> there was somewhere on Facebook <laughs> that mm-hmm. said like, "Don't mock people who read a lot and pronounce things wrong." It's or pronounce things wrong. It's because they read a lot and they've never heard it said out loud. Yep, exactly. Like, like reading Hermione's name for the first time, we're all probably were like, "Her what?" Yeah, well, that's I did why that. Rowling included like an obligatory pronunciation <laughs> section in one of the books where Hermione tells people how to to pronounce her name yeah so i'm sure years i read it wrong i did that with um uh twilight with bella's little girl's name oh uh renesme yeah i spent a long time trying to figure out how to pronounce that when i was reading the books because i read them read them not audio oh yeah the first time i read them i'm like renesme 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 yeah (laughs) i'm like all right i'm not sure yeah i'll just read it that one was kind of true. Well, because it wasn't really like a real name. It was like, I'm just going to combine two names and be like, this is your name now. Well, yeah, but that's so often yeah. happens now that you don't know how to pronounce anything. Don't look at me like that. I liked Twilight and I'm not sorry. Dude, I you are Twilight. so sensitive about that. That was not, that was because about it, the furthest the, thing from my mind right now. I wasn't even thinking about it. I told it. you I was reading and you scoffed at me. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> I was like, how many years but, ago was that now? But that, it left a deep imprint I on my heart. I have apologized for that a bazillion times. <laughs> you're like, what book are you reading? I'm like, oh, Twilight. And you're like, I like binged those books. I forgot to eat for like days when I was reading Twilight and it took me a while to connect because the first movie was coming out when I first started reading the first book. Like they were filming it and the, I think it was Eclipse was out or had just come out. And I used to, I worked um, at a grocery store and we had like a little book section and they're like, we have to put this book out and like make a display. And I was like, what is this stupid book? Okay. And I, like, put it out, and then I went home and was watching, like, Entertainment Tonight was on or something. And, like, all of a sudden, the puzzle pieces came together. I was like, this is the book that my friends were talking about, and this is the book. Like, so then I immediately had to, like, go out and buy it. Well, now that we've established that Megan is a Twilight fan. (laughs) Twihard. That's why I like her. That's why I was like, call Megan, see if she can be back on. Yes. I refuse to and read those And on my books. side, Vivian yes. is here. Yay! Listen, you nerds, stay over there. We'll keep our historical we'll fiction Twilight over selves over here. <laughs> I think there's a connection there. I think it's all about that squishy love thing. Valid. No, it's just that it, there's all the purple prose and the sparkling vampire. And... That isn't what bothered me about no. it. It was all the. It was the fact that it felt too young. 
It, fe- it felt yeah. too much like my old romantic self, and I really don't like that person. It's too young in a bad way. It's cringy. Like, I've read young adult fiction that's it's really good, and it doesn't come off as that cringy, weird... The, the microphone just attacked me. It's okay. I was about to <laughs> lose mic- mine because I microphone was leaning around. Fell off. Yeah, I like, tried to jump onto my boobs. It's because so. that's Safe podcast. I love you, but not like that. That's because that's my normal one, and it's saying, you don't like Twilight. Oh, I'm out of here. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> is it trying to kill me? Is it trying to kill me? Is it trying to get closer to my chest, or is it trying to run away? It's trying to run away. We cannot figure out its motives. Personifying it's not a microphone. girl. Anthropo- or or anthropo- fallen a long time ago. <laughs> anthropomorphizing a microphone. <laughs> How are you Oh, the that? things these microphones have seen over the years. But Twilight <sighs> was so great in other ways. I loved the 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 interspecies morbid enemy part. You mean where an adult werewolf looks at a baby and realizes that he's in love with her? Because that was fucking creepy. I didn't talk about the imprinting. I was talking about the fact that vampires and werewolves are mortal enemies. And see, I didn't actually know that that was a thing, because that's in other stories, too. And I didn't know that that was a thing. Two fictional species who don't like each other. Yeah, it's it's a literary trope. It could happen. It could happen. It could. Although her timeline was off, that always bugs me with books but there's no accounting for the books you love I, one you day love I'm what going you to love forks. and it doesn't matter oh, love is love go, yes. with you yes girls weekend we're going to forks one i like day. washington state anyways i've never so, been oh i have so it's i get so to check beautiful. the state and see it's forks awesome it's awesome see what forks, forks. the town the of town. forks where the book was it's, it's real you yeah. can tour the house and everything they've probably embraced the whole tourist trap vampire thing oh they so. definitely okay. should I don't mind. Speaking of vampires. I'll go there. I'll buy a t-shirt. Speaking of <laughs> vampires, has anyone seen um, Dracula on Netflix? Oh, I meant to watch I it this week. I forgot. I was going to watch it. It is so Doctor Who-like. I'm, well, yeah, Stephen Moffat director. Oh, is the seriously? Show okay, I have to see this. God. I have to see this. Yeah. I didn't really like the first episode as much because I was like, oh, this is going to be business as usual. But man, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have to I watch it. I loved it so much, except... I'm a little disappointed in the way it ended because it means that, well, I, I can't say why. There's I'm a second season starting like this week or next week in the UK, so it'll trickle what? its way over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. then I guess it doesn't have to end well, based you, on the way it ended. Have you seen the Castlevania anime on Netflix yet? I'm not into anime. It's, well, it's an Americanized anime. It's not like the traditional, like the really corny anime that sometimes comes out of Japan. It's like a very, very dark and artistic anime. Mm. Um my husband and I watched it, I think about a year ago, and we really loved it. It was very, very good. Mm. And I think the second season is coming out either this month or the next month. So that's the vampire stuff I'm looking forward to. So I love vampires. Don't get me wrong. I do. Just not the sparkly kind? Yeah. No. You know what? That That isn't what bothered me at all about Twilight. It was all of that romantic bullshit <laughs> that I did not like. And I just can't make myself like that. That's fair. Sorry. That's how my friend and I decided we could stay best friends because I was team Edward and she was team Jacob. And we're like, this is why our friendship works, because we will never fight over the same boy ever. (laughs) I just saw my sister put something on um, Facebook that said the sign of a good friendship is same taste in liquor, different taste in men. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like we say it all the time. Like. Or if we're watching a movie, I'll be like, oh, like the lead actor is really cute. And she goes, well, like you're cute or like my cute. And I'm like, no, you're not going to like him at all. But he 
he's adorable. <laughs> and so it, it's yeah, held Vaughn true. Yeah, and I don't like the same man type either. I don't go no. for the lumberjack fisherman look. I don't always. I like I like cute boys too. I I have a I I don't like hairy boys. Josh. Josh is adorable. Yeah, but that beard. God dang. He looks like he should be. Uh, yeah, I know. on the airline watch list with that beard. I know. <laughs> God. Every but time I see him, I just want to get the so... scissors out and just trim the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> you know, he... Um, Prune the bush. <clears throat> I saw yeah. him at work a few times because he was doing his job. Josh, our bearded book... Yeah. Bearded book girl. He was doing his um, tech job Yeah, at my work a yep. couple of times mm-hmm. and I saw him. Yeah. He's so adorable. He is adorable. Every time I see him, I say, Josh, what are you reading? Oh... I'm I'm just rereading some of these. He says yeah. that every time. He just rereads the same books over and over again, which is fine. Hey, if they There's bring you joy, there's nothing wrong with that. I reread books. I I usually reread Twilight once a year. I I have not reread them in a while because I have like, I counted. I have like forty something books in my house that I haven't read yet. So I kind of put a ban on rereading until I get ones I haven't read yet. I have read. a lot of them, but then it makes me sad that if I want to read something and that I can't because I'm like, I have too many other books. And I'm like, I'm just not going to read anything. That's so. why I, I appease myself by just putting the movies in. I'm like, well, if I can't read the book, I'll at least watch the movie. <laughs> I usually try to get a few ahead because if I start reading one of them, I'm going to read all of them. Oh, absolutely. Ken Follett. I, I, I go him. back to Terry Pratchett again and again. I go back to Lord of the Rings again and again. But that's my happy place, my comfort place. I go back there multiple times. Yeah, the only thing is I could see myself actually rereading are like Cersei and um, uh, Name of the Wind. Because I, I know wind I need good. to reread those yeah. two books before the third one comes out. When it comes out, if it ever comes out. Yeah. Get on it, Patrick. Don't, ho- don't hold your I see you breath. reviewing new stuff on Goodreads all the time. Hey, he needs to just take his time. Don't rush him. I know. I really don't want him to rush it and screw it up. And I, the last I heard, and this has been like a couple of years, was that he had written a lot of it, but he wasn't happy with it. And and I totally get that. I think I think he's been struggling to make sure he gets it right. And I know there's a lot of pressure on him from fans. Yeah. So I, I understand his position, but you know I am getting very very impatient. So <laughs> so are the Game of Thrones fans. Yeah, I know the Game of yeah. Thrones fans. Are I haven't tortured. read those yet because I that's tried. Such the, a time commitment. The difference is, I think I think George R. R. Martin enjoys torturing people, whereas Patrick Rothfuss is probably like the whole neurotic, yeah, he, crazed, I'm, locked in the tower writer, and he just he wants to make his fans happy. And Martin is like, ha 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 ha. This is Martin's fun. like, I'm gonna torture you until yeah. you just can't take it anymore, <laughs> and then maybe I'll give you the book. He's sadistic. Yeah. I mean, you can tell I by mean, the books alone he's by the way yeah. he treats his characters. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Rothfuss definitely beard. looks like somebody you'd play D&D with. Yeah. And he'd bring, like, really good queso or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's that kind of person. Patrick, do you make queso? Because if so, come on. I bet he does. <laughs> Some good queso. That's yeah. all you need in life. It's good queso. I and a good book. I mean, I can't eat queso. I was going to change it to salsa. <laughs> Salsa's good too. Good salsa. Little guacamole. Work. I could do some guacamole. I do like guacamole. We're already talking about food, and I can. We haven't even got through the podcast yet. I know. We, <laughs> we have one. It's Sunday. It's like food day. Well, mm-hmm. it's also the first. It's the second Sunday in the new year, which means we're right on the edge of fucking up our 
um, New Year's resolutions. And um, Girl Scout cookies went on sale. Oh, Jesus. Thanks, <laughs> no. Megan. <laughs> I, I didn't think they'll start until next month. Well, at least some of the northern, like I have friends in Ohio, uh, and they're posting like, uh, tired of that healthy eating? We've got Girl Scout cookies. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I'll do what I did last year, and I'll order $60 worth of Girl Scout cookies and not pick them up for six months. There you go. From um, my friend whose little girl sells them. <laughs> Just leave them there. And then everybody have already eaten all their Girl Scout cookies, and I'll be like, ha-ha, look what's in my freezer. There was, well, like, a genius Girl yeah. Scout in Edmond at 4th of July, not last year, the year before. She must have, like, leftover, and she, like, put them in a cooler, and so it was July, so everyone had eaten all of theirs. And she walked around the fireworks at UCO, like, selling Girl Scout cookies that were, like, nice and chilled. Ooh. She oh. sold them all. I was like, how much for a box? I'll take, like, four. Just, just bring them on over here. I don't even here. care how much you're selling for them. Ten bucks? All right. Yeah. Want, let me give you a hundred dollars. I was bill. like, my tagalongs are long gone. I'm gonna need you to come on over here. Do some of those frozen thin mints over. Stop talking room. about cookies. What's well, like the ones that were? Uh, they set up shop right outside the pot shops in Colorado when oh, pot yeah. became legal. So. Yeah, they made a fortune. I mean, that's just smart business sense. Oh yeah. Way to go, girl. Yeah, Scouts. the one thing that I cannot eat anymore on my new quest for healthy eating Lifestyle is change. cookies. That's that's off the list. I can't have any more cookies. Well, then if you still want to bake them, but you don't want to keep them in your house, bring them to the library. Well, I know the library will always eat them. We will eat them, and, and our patrons will eat them in the library, and we'll eat them and be very I brought glad. cookies for the... Uh, uh, for the yeah. Christmas thing. They were eaten, and they were very much loved. Lots of people said they were delicious. I'm the queen. And I went over to your house when you were making them. She had... Mm. When she makes cookies, she makes cookies. Like her whole kitchen yes. is like full of cookies. Cooling. You can just send up a bat signal with the shape of a cookie, and I'll just I follow it. Yeah, I don't need to. <laughs> Kevin smells them and comes over. My neighbor, mm-hmm. I swear, he's got like cookie radar. I was joking around one time with somebody, and I'm like, I just don't even understand Martha's neighborhood. Like I go over there, and like they start like grilling or making pizza or cooking something, and all the neighbors just come. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> cook it they and they actually will just, come. They just walk they just, the smell out yeah. of the house. They're, they're like, like, they're like zombies going, oh, Well, you know, my, my husband has a bat signal. He does. He has a neon sign <clears throat> that says cocktails on it. Oh, see? And he I'll puts come, it up on the wall too. and he turns it on and the neighbors can see it. And that's why they come. And they all just wander over me. They do. It, it's like Hocus Pocus when she's singing to get the children to come, but it, it's for <laughs> Turn the cocktail the sign on and they're on their way over. Ron's got that tequila bottle underneath the counter so the wives can't see it. I smell <laughs> I smell pizza and I know there's beer, so I'm going. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Brew it and they shall come. There you go. Let's talk about books. Yes. I'm, I'm so tired of talking about food because I'm sitting over here and my stomach is probably loud enough for you to hear. <laughs> so should we start? Yes. Sure. I read, okay, I've been in a little bit of a reading slump. Don't don't really have a whole lot on my list. So, you know, I Googled some of the best of 2019 mm-hmm. lists because that's one of the great things about the new year yes. is all the lists that came out. And one that was on a few of the list was called On Earth We Are Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vong. Okay. Yes, I've, there's a lot of buzz going around about that book. Right, and this is a debut novel for him. Um, I'm pretty sure, because I read a lot about this book before I started it, I'm pretty sure that I read somewhere that he's a poet. So this is his first book book that he wrote. And reading it, I can see um, that he, that's probably right. He probably is a poet because this is beautifully written. It's very rhythmic. 
and very flowy, but it's also very melancholy and depressing. You would not like this book, hey, Martha. You just made us read all. a depressing book. That's not depressing. AJ Fickery was not AK depressing. AJ Fickery is oh. pretty so depressing. Hopeful. It was super Sad, depressing. It's so yeah. helpful, the end though. made me like tear yeah. up a little. I and, texted uh, her and was like, "What did you just make me like, read?" Oh my god! I guess I'm a Cylon because I didn't cry. I didn't say I cried. <laughs> I didn't cry, but I was, I was, like, I was oh. in my feels about yeah, it. Yeah, I cried. Yeah. I, I'll admit it. I can't wait till we. But uh, it was so good. It was it. a bookstore. It was a book lover's book. Yes, it was. It is yes. a book lover's book. I love all the the references to other books. Yes, in it. I liked the huge reference to The Awakening Mm because I like that book a lot. In spite of it being extremely depressing, I love that book. I did too, actually. Usually we don't we don't sync up. We should save this for the upcoming podcast. Speaking of which, thank you, Vivian, for bringing that up. Plug. We uh, we have the our first ever book club on the way. Sorry to interrupt your review here. Um, It is happening at Full Circle Books on January 25th, 7 p.m. is when we're going to begin the podcast. We'll do the podcast like normal, except for it'll be live. And then we'll go into book club mode Mm -hmm. and we will all discuss the book just like a normal book club. And there'll even be wine there like and beer. Yeah. Like a normal book club. Wait, you're actually having wine instead of just beer. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, yeah. Well, they sell, Thank goodness. They sell, they sell both wine. They sell yeah, because I am we not. Don't, I don't think okay. there's a beer sponsorship this time. I think oh. it's just. Because I am not a beer person. Yeah. yeah it's the best. Yeah. Full Circle Books they has the best mice. store ever. The chocolate mice are oh, so good. So, so anyway, like please circle. read the book, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, and, and we'll see you, see you at the at the thing if you can make it and if not that's okay you can chime in on facebook live yeah because we always love to hear what people think of the books that we've read especially ones that we love like ak not ak aj Vickery. <laughs> all right vonnie you can go back to your review now that we've totally wrecked it okay well like i said this is um very melancholy beautifully written book the only problem I kind of had with this book is that the storyline doesn't go straight. So there was a lot of times that I was a little lost for a minute. And I was like, all right, wait a minute. Who's he talking about now? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, grandma. I got you now. But what this book is about, it's about a Vietnamese refugee and his mom who come to America. They've kind of had a very dysfunctional family for a while. The grandma, who they talk about, is in an arranged marriage, um, which she gets out of, which is very rare for back in that day, because this is like at the beginning of the Vietnam War, I think, and then goes to work as a prostitute, um, gets pregnant with the mom, whose name is Rose, and isn't quite sure who the dad is, but, you know, pick somebody, because I guess that's what you do. It's like, ah, it's you. (laughs) And then... Rose, when she grows up, she gets married and it ends up being a abusive relationship. And then she, in turn, abuses her little boy. Oh, so it's kind of oh, like a, a trigger trail. warning. <laughs> yeah, it's a trail of abuse. Right. Which is also a trigger warning because if you it's not extreme abuse, but it's enough that it's like, Mm-mm. fuck, not there for that. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then um, the little boy who his nickname is Little Dog. I can't remember what his real name is. Um, It kind of talks a lot about his life. The book is set up like a letter 
that he's written to his mom. So it's kind of like a memoir of his life. Okay. Which his mom is pretty illiterate. She dropped out of school when she was like five. So it's not like the mom is ever going to read this letter. And um, he talks about his life and about the bullying that he endured in school and a, the abuse from his mom and about how he found his main love interest um, with a, another guy named Trevor when he was working for a tobacco farmer when he was 15. And um, it talks a lot about their relationship, um, detailed talks about their relationship. So another trigger warning, not for kids. Definitely uh. not. There's a lot of content that would that would be for adults. <clears throat> and they actually lingered on that a little too much. I actually got a little <laughs> yeah. turned off. Bonnie texted me. She's like, three hours of gay sex? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, they talked a lot. Yeah, it got to the point where I was like, all right, this has been going on for three hours. You're like, let me Are turn we... this on like three times speed. And... Yeah. <laughs> Need to speed up this gay sex a little. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know. Just well, make sure you have a ton of lube. Well, yeah, yeah no, yeah. but, and I mean, like the first hour, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's what, like when any author lingers too long on an area, mm-hmm. on like any it, subject. Any subject. Yeah. You're kind of like, yeah. okay, we get it. We got it mm-hmm. 27 mm-hmm. hours ago. Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, overkill. But I think that um, the author did that, tried to, to emphasize how much Trevor meant to mm. Little Dog. Cause I mean, here's somebody who hasn't gotten a bunch. A lot of love in his life. He was bullied in school, and it's kind of like his, like his safe place, kind of like, like his, yeah, or his like saving grace is is this boy named Trevor, um, who I mean I don't want to give too much away in the book, but I mean like I said, the premise of this book was really good, and the actual storyline itself I enjoyed, but like I said with the poetic way that it was written it the story was lost a little bit ah but it is a debut though right but it is a debut and it might be worth getting for yourself if you liked it Vani um because I could see him maybe this being um him being a good author because what was that one super long sad book that I wrote that I read that one time which time? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I love like, that book so much. Was it L- A Little Life? Yes. It looks like <clears throat> the same damn cover. I see this being, I see this author being as good as the author who wrote A Little Life. Because that book was beautiful. But the storyline was more toned in. I That's didn't get the only reason I guessed book. it is because the cover looks so much like they it. They do look a lot alike. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have never known because... Because you read so many. I know. I like the depressing, feely books. When you read so much, they all blur together. All, same much, too much of the same genre, they all blur together. Sometimes. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a change from the depressing World War II books that I usually read. That's true. So but she went from much. World War II to Vietnam. Vietnam. Go refugees. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like you to see forward. you mixing it up, Bonnie. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm diversifying my reading. I'm reading about people in different countries and different time periods. It's, it's, a, a, different war. I'm it's a different war. It yeah. totally counts. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but again, that was called On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vong. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. You want me to go next? Yes, let's go to Vivian yes. next. Okay, so um, Martha and I had a conversation not too long ago about how uh, you guys don't really get to review very much nonfiction. And I love nonfiction. I tend to read more fiction than nonfiction, but I'll go through times where I'll read a bunch of nonfiction and I like very unique topics in nonfiction. Uh, so the book that I am reviewing is The Library Book by Susan Orlean. Uh, I brought my copy today and it's too bad you guys can't see how pretty this is because it looks like a very old fashioned book with the spine and everything. I think um, we can probably put a picture of that up. You could probably put a, a little thumbnail image of it somewhere. Uh, it's it's a really, I really liked the cover on it. This is one of those books that I like so much I actually went out and bought Hold it. Up your book. So, going to pose. Well, considering you're a librarian, Vivian, it's kind of Wait a, a no-brainer. So, anyway, I like it because basically if you take a dust jacket off of a book, this is what the book looks like. Yeah, that's so true. So, it's, it it, it's, I, I liked the, the book design. Uh, and then also in the back, I want to show you all the back. There is one of those, an image of one of those old library cards, oh. and the people on it, like Susan Orlean is one of them, but the first one on there is Ray Bradbury. <gasps> cool. So, and I'll tell you about the Ray Bradbury connection uh, toward the end of this review. Um, so, what happened was I started with the audiobook of this, and then um, I eventually bought the book because the book has photos in it, and you don't get the photos when you get the audiobook, obviously. Um, so the central event of this book is that there was a massive fire at the Los Angeles Public Library on April 29th, 1986. Um, according to the description of the book, it reached 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, <sighs> burned for seven hours, consumed 400,000 books, damaged 700,000 more. Oh, that hurts my soul a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, it hurts. When, hurts. when I did the audiobook, just the audiobook version, she's describing the fire. Her descriptions were very graphic. If you have a phobia of fires, be very careful. Um, so I have like a low-grade phobia of that. So I'm like sitting there listening to this while driving to work. And it's it gave me a little bit of anxiety, you know, just listening to the very, very graphic description. And her description of the fire is like based on the firefighters' reports of what happened, the arson investigation, because they believe that this was an arson situation and not just a, a spontaneous fire or from like electrical failure or something. So she took these reports and she she created this very, very descriptive narrative of how the fire moved through the stacks. And she kind of like, it sounded like a monster, like it had its own life. And it, it was very frightening to listen to. So that was an incredible part of the book. So the whole book is this interwoven narrative where she's kind of jumping around in time and from topic to topic. I kind of wish it had flowed a little more continuously but i guess it was edited that way to kind of keep your attention because if she went from like the beginning of the history of the library starting back like in the 1800s when it was founded or something people might have been kind of lost on that looking at my notes sorry i hate so, it when people bring notes Vivian. <laughs> well i hadn't read this i read this several months ago and i wanted to make sure i remembered notes. everything that was in it plus i'm a history nerd leave me alone okay so she talks about the the description of the actual fire um, she talks about the, the arson investigation, the suspect and his really crazy story, the unique history of the library itself, including the parade of really quirky librarians and staff members past and present that have worked there. Um, there's a lot of information in this book, uh, not just the fire or the Los Angeles Public Library. She goes into a lot of details about arson investigations as a whole and library history and 
I really, that's why I really love this book. There was a lot in there about libraries. So let's see. So what I was going to say about her description of the fire, the way she kind of like anthropomorphized it. There's that really weird word again. The way she made it into a monster. Um, to me, this is what makes nonfiction go from good to great is because they create this narrative that's almost like reading a fiction book and it really pulls you into the story and it, it makes because nonfiction can be kind of dry. You know, especially if you're reading like history or science or something, if the person is not a very good writer, um, you know, they can you can get bogged down in the details and the facts. And it's just you have to really get into the how and the why of what's going on. That's really what makes nonfiction so interesting. Uh, The suspect was this guy named Harry Peake. He was very attractive. He was kind of a wannabe actor, not very successful at it. He was also a pathological liar. And he became a suspect because library staff identified him from his mugshot. Uh, they had seen him in the library. Um, he claimed to be in the library and that he rescued somebody. And then he just elaborated on the story and made it bigger and bigger. Then he started saying he wasn't there. He was actually having lunch. And the waiter told him that the library was on fire, which would, couldn't have happened because the time that he said the waiter told him that the building was on fire like it had just the the call had just gone out. There's no way the waiter would have known unless he was listening to a scanner. So there's all these inconsistencies in his story. And he admitted to starting the fire and then he failed a lie detector test. And the investigation just got crazier and crazier. And Orlean goes and she talks to his family. She interviews people who knew him. She goes into like the trial, like he sued Los Angeles, Los Angeles sued him. It it just gets really, really crazy. But the main thing is that he was this pathological liar and he constantly made up these stories and it only made the mystery even murkier because he's doing that. So um, another thing she talked about was at length was a history of the Los Angeles Public Library, how it was founded, how they were trying to find funding to make the building bigger to add more to it. And of course, people were opposed to having a bigger library or having a library at all, something that we still see today. Yes, we Um, do. My own library is struggling for funding and we have people who want it funded and we have people who think we don't need a library at all. Uh, So this is something that libraries still face today. The constant question of whether they're still relevant, which is another thing Orlean talks about. She talks about how libraries are relevant. They've always been relevant and they will continue to be relevant. Uh, So that's another thing she covered that I appreciated. She talked about the process of salvaging the books, the technology that they used when they squeezed the books, how many gallons of water came out of them, uh, because a lot of the books were not just water damaged, but smoke damaged, or they were charred. She talked about problems with arson investigation methods, not just in this one, but in other arson investigation methods. Um, There is an organization that... Um, it's kind of like the Innocence Project, if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. They uh, work to try to exonerate people who have been convicted of arson. There was a famous case um, several years ago. I think it was in the New York Times. They did an extensive reporting on it. and it was, It's mentioned in this book of this guy that was accused of burning down his home with his children in it. And uh, it turned like the evidence that they had used they, was not really conclusive. It could actually indicate that the fire was accidental, which it, it was, but he had already been like executed at that point. Yikes. Yeah, it, it was a really, really horrible story. But she talks about that in this book. And uh, she talks about how the library is providing social services to people, which is something that's like kind of controversial because libraries need to do it. On the other hand, we're not social workers. So... 
Mm. It's it's a very weird position that we're in. You know, the best thing we can do, in my opinion, is like connect people to the social services they need. So anyway, but she talks about the future of libraries. She has a section on Overdrive and how it works, which I use Overdrive a lot. Um, and you know how we may eventually move to ebooks and e audiobooks instead of physical ones, and that libraries instead become community centers and gateways to digital technology and all that. So it's pretty interesting um, that she talked about that. So the last thing I want to mention is the connection to Ray Bradbury. So this book was on my 2009 top 10, and uh, along with Fahrenheit 451, which I read for the first time last year, I it was not assigned in high school or college because I guess I went to a terrible high school and a terrible college. Uh, so I had never read it before. And that's obviously a book about book burning and the death of, you know, intellectual pursuits and how people are caught up in, you know, like watching TV instead of reading books. And, and you know, so <laughs> Ray Bradbury used the Los Angeles Public Library whenever he was writing his works, including Fahrenheit 451. Um, and in the fire, the Ray Bradbury collection burned. Oh, <sighs> So I thought that was very interesting. And then the the last little bit is that while writing the book, Orlean bought a copy of Fahrenheit 451 and burned it to see what a book looks like as it's burning. So I thought that was a really interesting um, connection. And then, of course, as I mentioned, in the back of the book on the lining paper, there is the little pocket with the library card in it for checking it out. And the first name on it is Ray Bradbury. Jeez. So I thought that there was a lot of really romance neat... novels out there she could have burned. <laughs> why 451 <laughs> yeah well she, i think Symbolism. she chose it because it was just yeah yeah, I, yeah. you know kind of just an interesting connection there that she picked yeah. that one i think mm. um so but i thought it was interesting but yeah there are plenty of really awful books out there that uh <laughs> should be burned okay so. so what's the title and artist of your so the title there? is the library book by susan orlean that's kind of like new orleans like the city but just orlean um, and it was excellent. I highly recommend it. Well, I'm pretty sure on the on the cover of that it says it's part of uh, Reese's book club it too, is, right? Yeah, it is so, Reese's book club. Reese, book, yeah. If that matters Reese, to you, Reese, Reese Witherspoon. This is one of Reese Witherspoon's book picks. That's not why I chose it, but Reese, you have very good taste because this was an excellent book. Cool. I, I like Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, like, she is cool. In, in, like the movies and stuff. Everything that I've seen her in. And just like her interviews and stuff. And the I fact just that like she her. has a book club at all. I, mean, I know, makes right? makes her wonderful. I liked her before then. And then she said book club. And I'm like, oh, my God, step yeah. up again. There so. you go. All right. Well, let's move along to Ms. Megan. All right. Um, so I picked Capturing the Devil by Carrie Meniscalco. And this is actually the fourth book in a series. But I can... You don't necessarily have to have read the other three to enjoy this one. So that's why I decided to review it, because of the series of four, this was my favorite. Um, so a little character info. You basically have kind of three main characters that you follow through the series. You have Audrey Rose and her uncle, and then you have Thomas Crosswell. And we're set in, the first book is uh, Stalking Jack the Ripper, and it takes place, obviously, in the time of Jack the Ripper. Her uncle is the medical examiner in London. And Thomas is one of his students, and she is working with her uncle as well, which would have been very unladylike and not okay in London high society at the time. And so those are kind of three threads that go through. But Capturing the Devil was my favorite because we actually talked about him last week. 
she starts investigating H.H. H. Holmes in Chicago. They go from London to Chicago in the course of the series of the books. And there's a whole lot of Easter eggs. If you know a lot about H.H. H. Holmes and the timeline and things that he, his movements uh, through history, that when they first get to New York, that's where they first come into the country from England. And she actually passes him in the street and talks to him. And, and doesn't know it. And it lines up with history that he was in New York at that time. And so oh, well, as I was reading cool. it, she passes him and like interacts with him. And I'm like, that's Holmes. I know that's And we're Holmes. talking about the devil in the white city, right? Yes. Yeah, so sort same of, H.H. Yeah. Holmes. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. yeah same H.H. H. Holmes. But the, and, um, so she passes him in New York. Obviously doesn't know it's him. But as an Easter egg for history nerds, you're like, she just passed Holmes. Because there's historical proof that he was in Chicago or in New York. That's cool. I love time. I love books like that. Oh, I got so excited. <laughs> I was like jumping up and down. I was like, it's gone. Like, game on. She is on track. Uh, so then they end up going to Chicago because they um, are invest. They're hearing about these murders taking place in Chicago. And she kind of seamlessly follows the timeline of H.H. H. Holmes. So if you have a lot of history background, you're going to be like, yep, she's right on target. And she does admit she alters the timeline a little bit to kind of make everything match, so it can't necessarily be, like, date for date. But the storyline fits together. So Audrey Rose uh, and Thomas and her uncle are in Chicago now and just kind of following the clues. The bot, her, they're doing their uh, autopsies and kind of trying to put it all together. The folks at the World's Fair are like, let's get this under control because we want people to keep coming to the World's Fair and not have this murder mystery laying over our heads. And she starts inadvertently crossing homes multiple times. Like she goes mm. to his pharmacy and meets his one of his assistants that's like running his pharmacy counter, and then she disappears, and all the things that really happened throughout the course of Holmes's time. And when you're reading it as someone who knows Holmes's history, you're like, oh, that girl's toast. Like she's <laughs> she's not gonna make it. I remember your story, and you're in trouble, and you don't even know it. And so it's kind of Audrey Rose, really trying to track down this mysterious killer that no one realizes is H. H. Holmes because he was a chameleon and a con artist and able to kind of keep moving around Chicago. And people were like, I don't know, it's it's like these aren't connected. None of these cases are connected, even though everyone keeps disappearing in his murder castle across the street. And it was just amazing. And there's it all kind of loops back a little bit to the first book with um, Jack the Ripper. And there is a strong, well, not really, this isn't really a spoiler because so, it's been on History Channel multiple times. Lots of people in murder, like true crime land, think that Jack the Ripper and H.H. H. Holmes were the same person. Hmm. Or could be the same person. And even H.H. H. Holmes's great great grandson, great 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 grandson, um, has spent his whole life trying to prove that his great great grandfather was 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 Jack the Ripper. Hmm. So she kind of ties all of that side of the first book really nicely into H.H. H. Holmes and kind of following it at the end, you without giving spoilers away, she of course they have to confront each other and there's an it definitely is outside of what actually happened. With H.H. H. Holmes. So it's definitely a fictionalization. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. it's definitely a, definitely a fix, fic, fictionalization. Um, but all the right pieces are there, like talking about the basement and what they think he had set up in the basement of the murder castle 
And it gets a little exaggerated. She did go on the the extreme end of Holmes legend because mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. lots of people know, he confessed to like hundreds of murders and they're like, oh, buddy, it was like eight. Uh, but we'll let you think that it was hundreds. drama queen. Oh, he was. He was very much a drama queen. He, I think he kind of decided, like, if I'm going down for eight, I might as well go down for, for like, a, a couple hundred. hundred. <laughs> um, and so... I'll just but, times that by 20. Yeah, he's like, I'll just, you know, say all these names and then let you figure out if they're still alive or not. Um, and so they kind of run with the idea of that he killed hundreds. That's kind of the stance she takes with it and goes through in Ajiro's kind of what happens to her and how she gets kind of really tied up in the home story and how... Is it going to end? Like, what's she going to kind of conclude with it? Um, and, of course, you know, you have to have the love interest a little bit in there. It's it's YA, so you have to have some Thomas Crosswell uh, in there to rescue his damsel sometimes because she likes to get herself in some trouble as a Victorian woman who's doing autopsies. Martha just rolled her eyes. She sorry, it was, sorry. In case I don't, need that, don't apologize. It's okay to hate that. No, and I hate it. Love in the morgue. Yeah, love in the morgue. Um, oh, honey, your hands castle. smell so, ooh. Yeah, she's like, oh, that doesn't mm. smell. I love the smell of formaldehyde. Oh, yes. Lots of such formaldehyde. A, and, such a turn on. And wood chips. Lots of wood chips on the ground to soak up all the blood and stuff um mm, she describes multiple times <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but what i just loved about it was that how well kind of like with romanov that i talked about last week is that the core of the story and the history is intact mm-hmm. and just taking that little bit of extra and it's not even that it a little bit of extra it's because it's the myth of homes that she really uh, like takes on at the end and kind of exaggerates the myth that is already there mm. and fitting her character in her character stories into those giant myths. Hmm. Uh, but I just love like the little Easter eggs and kind of putting all the pieces together. For me, that was the exciting part. And it was probably my, of the, my 2019 reads, it was probably my favorite. Like I put down every book I owned and I was like, I'm reading this right now. I've been waiting so long for Holmes to be in this storyline and just having it. end. Really, I, I think I even wrote in my like book journal, I was like, the last chapter for Audrey Rose and Thomas was everything I wanted, like in all caps in my little like book notes here. Because <laughs> it really was. You you got to see it come full circle, and but still got new information. And mm-hmm. if you're like a true crime junkie like myself, the, this whole series is right up your alley. But for me, the Holmes one was like the cherry on top of an already great series and watching her take that myth of Holmes that is so large compared to what actually happened with him that it made it really a fun read to pick up all the Easter eggs and the theories that Mm. I was like, yeah, I know that theory. I'm here. Let's go. So it was a lot of fun. And the characters are really well written. I think they are realistic and able to say, yeah, like I can see this happening and being part of that story. And all the other books are really good too. So it was definitely one of my favorites. And Okay, so you're going to have to give us the title and artist of the first book, too. Yes. Because if anybody's really interested in this whole thing, there's some people just absolutely get pissed off if you review something later on in the series. I had that happen a few, I don't remember when it was, that I I reviewed something that was not the first one. Yeah. So the, the first one is Stalking Jack the Ripper. In the series, and that is, and again, that was Carrie Meniscalco, and the second one is Hunting Dracula, and the third one was Escaping Houdini. 
Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. And then the fourth one was Capturing the Devil. Uh, That's awesome. And it was actually one of the first books printed on James Patterson's new imprint. She was one of his first Interesting. authors. So she is awesome. And I just love it. Like a, I'm a true crime history nerd. So these books were right in my alley. I got a little mad when everybody got on the bandwagon. <laughs> I, yeah, like, hey, that was I was there. Thing. Yeah, it was one of those I walked by. I was here first. Yeah, I really, I like, people get on, like, on Instagram and are like, oh my gosh, Stalking Jack the Ripper. I was like, where were you guys like three years ago? <laughs> yeah. Like, I picked it up off the shelf because all I saw was Jack the Ripper and I was like, I'm here for it. I don't know what's happening, but I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole I'm um, crazy about you. I read you like the first year that we had the podcast yeah. and it was just an unknown book. And then when everybody started reading it and they came out with a series on Netflix, I was like, oh, I read that. I remember that book. It was fucking creepy as hell. <laughs> people are obsessed. I, I haven't watched it. it yet, but people are definitely obsessed with you right now. I haven't watched the second one, but I watched a little bit of it and I don't think it follows the second book that much. Okay. I can't remember exactly. The second book's called Hidden Bodies. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what happened in it, but I'm pretty sure some of the things I saw in the series doesn't happen in the book. Probably accurate. And that makes me sad. That didn't happen. Yes. Get it right, guys. Are you ready for me yet? Yeah. You want me, you want me to say the, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. whole thing? Okay. Yeah. So I read Capturing the Devil by Carrie Meniscalco, and I gave it five out of five stars. Sweet. Because uh, I just love sweet, the history. Sweet, sweet. And... <laughs> All right, girls. I'm going to do something completely out of character for me. Uh-oh. Um, did you read a romance? No. Oh. Not that far out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to review a nonfiction book. Oh, two <gasps> nonfiction books. Yep. Wow. And when my husband heard that this was what I was reading, he was like, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Because this book is about oil. Oh, and he worked in oil. He was in the oil business uh, in oil field services for 36 years of his. He was in the, worked for the same company for 36 years. And basically, that's, I mean, our livelihood. But it was really, really interesting. It's called Blowout, Corrupted Democracy, Rogue State Russia, and the richest, most destructive industry on earth by Rachel Maddow. Oh, that one. Yes. Oh. And this sounds like something I would read. I'm I know. Very, I'm I know. shocked right now. I, I know. I don't even know why I chose to read it because I don't watch her on TV. Mainly, and it's not because I don't agree with her politics, because I do. I think it's mainly because I can't go down the political rabbit hole without being angry all the mm-hmm. time. I'm angry all the time when I watch television. So a, a lot of times I can I can watch the late night shows and laugh, but then I have to let it go. I can't. You can't focus on this. Exactly. Yeah. Especially because I work for a music station mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not able to really talk about my politics. So I have to kind of keep it under my hat. This was interesting in so many different ways. But the main reason that I love the book is because I love her voice. I listen to the audio and Rachel Maddow has the most beautiful voice. She does. I'm just in love with her voice. But I'm also in love with the fact I've always been attracted to people who are super intelligent 
And mm-hmm. it's so obvious how intelligent she is mm-hmm. just listening to her. So that part of it was really what sucked me into something I probably would never have listened to otherwise. I, I, I really don't know if I would have read it if I had read. No, I might have, though. The other thing that I was very surprised about was how much of Oklahoma was in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. I, w- I would bet 80% of this book is about Oklahoma. Oh, wow. I learned things that I just didn't. I mean, I had heard the tip of, of a lot of it because, you know, I've lived here since 2006. I'm not a native Okie, so I wasn't like butthurt by any of the things I heard because a lot of it's pretty damn obvious to me. But it was interesting to visit the earthquake swarm. Oh, yes. And all of these things. But but really at the core of the book, it was about oil. It was about how this industry is so big and so ugly and it all comes down to money in the end. It's the money and the amount of money that can be made from the business and the fact that money corrupts. Absolutely corrupts everybody it touches. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Exactly. So I loved I loved hearing the details about what was going on behind the scenes during the Oklahoma earthquake swarm and and all of the little tidbits about Harold Hamm and about his trying to strong arm the um, Oklahoma Geological Survey dude mm-hmm. who was was at OU at the time, trying to get him to shut his mouth about mm-hmm. the frack connection. Oh, it's there. I've oh, lived here like I, three years and I know it's there. I was absolutely <laughs> fascinated by learning all this information about what was, what was going on behind the scenes during that time. But that really isn't the main focus of the book. The main focus of the book is oil. And it goes all over the world, touching all of these different areas. Um, I was fascinated to hear about Equatorial Guinea. And I was, I was just waiting with bated breath to hear about the Russia thing and about the connections that were going to come in there. And I was so surprised she didn't go there with Trump really she did touch on a lot of the issues and the periphery, including the Russia uh, election meddling mm-hmm. with what they were doing with social media. But it was from the lens of Putin more so. And the reason why he was behaving the way he was behaving, which was one of the reasons that was so fascinating, is you got to see all of those connections and from her perspective on why all of this stuff was happening in the first place and sort of the psychology of Putin. That's a scary place to live, I feel oh, like, in his gosh. mind. And I think you know so what? Too. I, oh. I, I stayed up late last night. I could not stop reading this book. I had to finish it. I was absolutely captivated and to put me in in that position with a nonfiction book is so rare. A political nonfiction I know. book. So Rachel, I have a serious crush on you, girl. <laughs> serious crush on that voice and all of that smartness coming out of mm-hmm. your brain. It was so cool. Um, and I, I guess I was really surprised that it wasn't more. I mean, she did have the thing about the climate change and and 
it, it was clear to me that her her perspective would definitely be offensive to certain political parties based just based on who she is. You know, my husband saying what he said was interesting because we really agree on a lot of things. But he's like, you know, you're biting the hand that feeds you there. True. And I am. But it at the same time, it's so very true and so fascinating. So once again, that was called Blowout, Corrupted Democracy, Rogue State Russia, and the Richest, Most Destructive Industry on Earth by Rachel Maddow. But, you know, this isn't the first time. I mean, the earthquakes in Oklahoma isn't the first time that they've tried to cover up and change the opinions no, 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 definitely not. It's bad. I mean, think about all of the the gasoline with, with the lead versus unleaded. Oh, we they could tried... go on for days with all this shit. I watched a documentary because I'm a big nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. And they tried to make the public believe that lead was healthy for you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I remember that. yes. Mm-hmm. And, and we really could do a whole podcast just about that and just yeah. about um, all of the lies we've been told over the years by people trying to make money off of us. And that is the truth. I mean, I might have to read this book because that is I just think you right would love in it, Bonnie. You my would wheelhouse. Absolutely you know, love it. I just, I love it. And <clears throat> it was so good. Her voice is so... I like <sighs> Rachel Maddow anyways. Mm-hmm. Does she narrate her own audio? She does. She, oh. Yeah, her voice is just, it just... I'm right there for it. I need you to send me a picture of that. Like, and you know, go into I, your thing. And I take love a, a good of it. radio voice, and my God, she has got it. Now I want to be just like her. There you go. Okay. She has a girl well, crush on Rachel. Maddow I do now. have a girl crush on her. I'll tell you what, though. When I moved here, and I was like, "Wait, we have earthquakes," and then I was here for—I forget—it was like a four point two, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that really. I was here right after like the bigger one, and I felt so silly because I was sitting on my couch and it like it was almost right under my house it was like a mm-hmm. block down the epicenter and it was like such a silly thing like it, everything started it was loud I didn't expect yeah, earthquakes very, to be really loud was, they are very loud and I was like all these thoughts in like 30 seconds went through my head I was like is there a truck crashing off the highway into my backyard that's exactly that's what I thought yeah, yeah, yeah I was, I was standing like, in my closet and it sound that's what it sounded yeah. like it sounded like there there was a vehicle ran into my wall yeah yeah and then the, I'm on the flight path to Tinker and I was like is there a plane falling out of the sky <laughs> like, and then because you know this solves all things I curled my pulled my feet up on the couch and like curled up in a ball and was like yeah. screaming it's like, I was it's scared. like putting the blanket over your head yeah and, you're and my brain was like why are you screaming oh earthquake continue screaming that'll solve it <laughs> yeah you know what i did i just sat like very still i was like like okay i just yeah, can't I move put from my this hands spot. out yeah like to, i don't know <clears throat> like it, that's gonna stop something from falling on my bed head but i'm, a, oh, I'm i got it I got and it. the other thing about this book that was really cool we got to hear a lot about oklahoma's history yeah recent history mm-hmm. about Chesapeake mm. and about oh, all of this stuff that's going on in this. I'm telling you, this book was about Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. It was so wow. cool. I, I wonder if she lived here for part of the time she was um, writing this no. book. Rachel, <laughs> I know you probably you. don't want to come back to Oklahoma, but if you do, you call us, girl, we'll put you on this show. Yeah. Read a book, please. That'd be incredible. <laughs> we already, we've already reviewed yours, so now you have to pick a different one. So, so this is interesting mm-hmm. because yesterday my husband and I, we were in Oklahoma City, and we actually drove past Chesapeake's massive campus, and they've built all these buildings, but they're empty and they're for sale now. 
Yeah. And so oh, we were that's wondering, what happens when you pay your own fucking yeah, beekeeper. Yeah, because they were they yeah, for they years. were they were, you know, like expanding Crazy. in a way that was unsustainable and the industry is so volatile. And I I believe that a large chunk of our economic problems here are the fact that we put all of our eggs in the oil basket instead and of diversifying our economy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um and we keep giving electing, subsidies to the oil people. Yeah, oil and we companies. keep electing yeah. governors that are totally cool with that instead of people like Joe Dorman who wanted to diversify the economy. Yes, I'm still bitter about people <laughs> voting for Fallon over Dorman because Dorman's like a really cool about guy. The Republicans in our yeah, in I, our... I meant how can you work for a company like that? And like you're basically selling your soul. He's like, no, how can no. you sleep at night? No, and it's funny and it's because like you sleep on a pile of money and you don't no, care. No, you and, do what you do. Yeah. and and depending on what you choose to do depends on where you grew up. Yeah, yeah, and what you've. You're trained to do. Mm-hmm. My husband was a petroleum engineer all mm-hmm. those years. He's yeah. now retired. We still get a pension. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, what he did for them, he did exploration. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any regrets about the way we lived our lives. Mm-hmm. And yes, about might. the things we do. And the people, as a matter of fact, my sister's cousin is working for I think it's Chesapeake or is it Devon? Mm-hmm. One of the two. They talk the about both ones. of those. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a geologist. And if you're going to get a, a degree in geology, you end up working for an oil company. Yeah. That's well, just absolutely. the way it is. Mm-hmm. It, but, yeah. but it's not necessarily selling your soul. Yeah. Well, see, my, my family on both sides, both maternal and paternal, were involved in oil. My you grandfather, kind of do if you lived here. My know? grandfather, who had an eighth grade education, worked for the big Kermicky finery in Winniewood for almost his entire life. All I came up with Winniewood was Joe Exotic. I was like, why yeah, do I know that That's name? what we were doing. Yeah. We were like, home of Wait, Joe Exotic. She's like, Winniewood. So yeah. like, I'm pulling it up. And I'm yeah, like, my, she's my family, like, my family is from the Winniewood area. With it. Yeah, so they're from the Winniewood right. area. <laughs> yeah, we drive by the the Kermigi refinery and I would say, it stinks over here. And my mom says, it smells like bread and butter. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's and what I, and I'm from fed. Wyoming, which is also oil and gas yes. and coal. So, I mean, you, you do mm. what is available. Yeah. You, you don't necessarily make mm. that choice yeah. based on, you know, ideological honestly i mean if oklahoma hadn't had oil people probably would not have hung out here very as long like it really yeah. did build up when they yeah. came out here they're like hey hey look we can make money now but you know we have more information now very yeah. true yeah i don't think we, we really we, we have enough information yeah. and enough technology to pivot yes we really do and, and, and it needs to happen today? it should have happened long uh-huh. ago but mm-hmm. the fact that there was money involved yeah. You know, we have more information now. We yeah. can make yeah. better choices. We can make different choices. And I am hoping I, I am an idealistic individual. And I hope that Oklahoma will make better choices mm-hmm. in the future. We're just going to my home. We're just going to have to get so, louder. That's all yeah, there is we are. to it, yeah. ladies. We are. You know, since it's the first of the year, uh, we've all got our little ideas about what we're going to be doing book wise, what c- kinds of books we want to be reading. On my list, I put read more classics Mm -hmm. oh that's a good one okay so i've sort of had a a few of those on my list but there have been several that i have tried to read and just could not make myself do it and something come came up on um, facebook the other day that i private message um i think i looked at it but i didn't open the attachment so what it is let thugs note yes thug notes thug notes so you got to look at this, ladies. If you've ever had trouble reading a classic, go check this out. It's on YouTube, and it is just hilarious. That sounds amazing. 
actually, I don't know who he is. I don't know that much about the dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I could ever get through Great Expectations. I've read Thug it. It's notes. horrible. So Great Expectations <laughs> like is the kids. one I listened to because I've tried <laughs> to read that book so many times and I just... Uh, the only thing I liked it. in that book was Miss Havisham. I loved the whole so like I listened wedding to this. I don't know how long it is. Let me look. So is this basically it's, it's like four minutes notes? long. Yeah, it's four he's, minutes he's of your life, like, and he will explain the entire plot to you. Is there a lot of profanity? Like there's great um, expectations. You know what? I didn't to kill notice. a mockingbird. But then so again, used I don't. To hearing profanity. Yes, I'm so used to. Pro- don't ask <laughs> me that notice. question. My sister says oh that to me. Oh my goodness! He so said t- the F so word. Give me a give me a book that you would that you think I would like, and I'm like, I would have to read the entire damn thing again and see if there's any profanity in it because I just don't pay attention to it. That I I didn't look at all of them, but what I'm telling you is it's a really fun thing to look at. Go watch Thug Notes on YouTube for those of you who who need a little bit of classic in your life, but you don't want to go through the whole thing. That list looks amazing. Thug it looks notes. pretty interesting. I'll have to. <laughs> I was like too wrapped up in listening to my nonfiction book that I'm going to review next week. See, we're all idealistic See, when we begin the year. We? That's the cool thing this See, year is reading nonfiction. And speaking of the Thug Notes, part of one of the little inserts in the nonfiction it talks about Jay-Z uh-huh. and how he tested out... When he was in school, what do you he, mean? He tested. He was smart. Like he was, yeah. He like he out tested of out of classes when he was in school, but he was so focused on like making money, and the only reason he went to school was to learn new words for his rhymes. Sounds like my child. He wasn't right. It kind yeah. of made me think of him. Yeah, but I was like, oh, that's. He couldn't awesome. just I don't know, get the dictionary out and just start reading. Maybe they didn't have one. He came oh, from a really poor true. family. He could have gone to the library. Jay-Z, come on. Library. Well, maybe he didn't have access to a library. You don't know. That's you true. don't know his life. That's true. Because <laughs> there are areas that's, that suffer because they don't have a library. Shout out to a town in particular that didn't want to have a library. <laughs> you need one. I know. <laughs> Especially since you have a great librarian now. All we're doing is talk about politics, Bonnie. You know people hate it when we talk about politics. I know. But we like to get political, political. Oh, Let's get political. <laughs> Now that you got that stuck in my head, thanks for the earworm, Bonnie. And on that note, that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Join the conversation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.